Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Hey, it's GQ here on How We Solve, and thank you so much for watching another episode with us. Today's guest is Kate Nightingale, a consumer psychologist, human brands expert, and the founder of Style Psychology, a human experience consultancy. I'm really excited to dive into today's episode, so let's get started. Before we jump into today's problem that we're going to solve, I'd love to dive deeper into your background. How did you get started with Style Psychology? So I always kind of been very intrigued about human beings, and that obviously ended up getting me studying psychology. But I've never been very sort of interested in mental health issues or going down the psychotherapist route. I was always very intrigued by human relationships, our presentation, our communication, especially nonverbal communications, so things like our body language, but also things that we wear, that we use, that we tend to basically buy as consumers to represent who we are as an identity and how that influences our relationship with people, our space in society. So needless to say, I ended up obviously starting to kind of look, okay, so are there psychologists that are actually working with brands or advising even individuals to try to basically figure out how we can use our consumer choices to better represent who we are as human beings. And obviously there weren't any at the time. And at the time, so that was 16 or so years ago, there wasn't really the idea that academia was as useful to business before. And this was something that was always surprising me. Yes, okay, you had organizational psychology. They was talking about things like employee training and cultures within the companies, but not really the customer facing things like customer experience or design or anything like that. Although there was a lot of science being done around it. And for me, that was always very surprising that that science hasn't been used by the designers. And that's really what sort of ended up on the route to becoming eventually consumer psychologists, teaching that as well at universities, actually helping brands to use academic research to make their customer experience, their designs more effective, more engaging, and really just creating a better world for human beings. That's fantastic. As we're on the topic of relationships and customer experience, we were talking a lot about building personal relationships. So what's the problem that we're solving today? So we're really looking at how do we build much better relationships with our customers. And it's like commitment, intimacy, loyalty are just parts or end results of our relationships with our customers. And how do you really kind of integrate it as part of your strategy to make sure that you really, every action that you take as a brand is investing in that relationships. Okay. So what sorts or what types of businesses should consider building intimate relationships? Like, does it start from a small B2B agency? Does it scale all the way up to a big e-commerce store? What do you think about that? To be honest, any kind of business, it doesn't matter whether it's B2C, B2B, C2C, I don't care. Relationships are an ultimate foundation of who we are as human beings. We cannot survive without relationships, whether those relations are with individuals, whether this is a relationship of an entire social group, culture, country, or whatever else, 
or whether that relationship is between a singular customer and a brand. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what industry you are in. It doesn't matter what are you selling. Does it cost two pounds or two dollars or does it cost a few million? Really, there's absolutely no difference. Relationships are what keeps us loyal, what keeps us committed to a particular partner, relationship partners, whether that's a brand or whether that's your husband or wife. It doesn't really matter. That is so true. I obviously knew the answer. CX nerd here, right? <laughs> so it definitely matters across the board. That is a given. I think it's just, I guess, figuring out like today, if you're able to have that one-to-one relationship with your clients, especially if you're a one-man show or if you have an agency of like 10 to 50 people, it's not too hard to kind of keep up with the clients that you're working with if you have that personal relationship set up. How would you go about it? Like, how do you create a long-term customer relationship, especially when you have to do it at scale, when you're servicing millions and millions of people? Okay, you're right. Creating relationships might seem as something very foreign to a company that runs a big website, has millions of customers a day visiting it, or a huge brand that has thousands of stores around the world, and so on and so on. But the challenge is we are approaching it fundamentally wrong because brands think there are brands, there are companies, there are logos, there are corporations, there are profits and loss accounts and whatever else. But when we actually look into the science of how human beings perceive and build relationships with the brands, they actually perceive them as human beings. And it's both psychological and neuroscientific evidence that showcases that we actually do not differentiate between an entity of a brand Hmm. and an entity of a human being. It's exactly the same thing. Therefore, we do actually build more human-like relationships. And if we look at brands that behave in a more human-like manner, such as, for example, the ones that build intimacy, and intimacy can be built in a super simple way, such as, You actually do respond to a social media post and comments and other things. It's not really that difficult. You respond in a much more conversational language, like a normal human being. You do not have scripted responses to things that feel cold and unapproachable. You use the first person, or better yet, you actually get your customer service associates or whoever else sign their name at the bottom, allow them to represent who they actually are, what do they personally also like? Or if you are to a certain degree as sophisticated that you, for example, have an AI-enabled chatbot on the website, you can plug in a lot of amazing software that allows you to really sort of analyze a customer's personality and emotional state and continuously adjust your tone of voice within framework of your brand personality and values to that customer so it feels more personalized to them and therefore that also builds intimacy or any other basic forms of personalization, co-creation or sharing your internal work such as your employees and their passion and inspiration for things. What are you doing every day? Did you have a party in a headquarters? Great stuff. Did everyone have fun? All those kind of basic stuff that allow us to reach into the mind of the brand is something that naturally builds intimacy the same way as any relationship you ask questions you expect answers so you can understand who that person is so you can understand what they value what is important to them it's exactly the same principle 
So those things don't have to be difficult, but they certainly need to come within a framework of a well-established strategy. So there's no, oops, someone decided to say something that isn't aligned with your values or your personality. And that's actually interesting. That was going to be my follow-up question. So we're really big on, first of all, when we talk about customer service agents, when they're representing a brand, they're having a conversation with the customer. I think a majority of agents today do have some form of scripts or template or responses that they customize to personalize, so to speak, when they work with the customers that they're supporting. But I think one thing that was interesting that you brought up was letting the customer service agents or the support team letting their personalities shine through the conversation when they're supporting a customer. Where do you think brands should draw that line when they're building this intimacy with their customers when it comes to, you know, letting their agents have their own individuality, but at the same time, you know, not, I guess, tarnishing the brand's image? Well, there wouldn't be an issue at all if the brands were actually hiring based on a personality and values fit, but Mm -hmm. most of the time they're hiring based on experience or how much money is someone willing to actually get for their job. And that's the problem, because if you look at some of the most successful brands in the world, they first look at personality and values fit between the potential employee and the brand, Mm -hmm. and then only look at their experience, because you can always teach people. That's not a problem, but you can never teach them their personality because that's already ingrained. It's done. Thank you. By maximum the age of 25, it's done. (laughs) You know, your personality is sorted out. You're not going to do much about it. You can do something about an expression of it, but it's done. Your values definitely change and they can change, but not drastically. So it's most important first to do that. Now, otherwise, you basically give them options. So one another challenge with employee engagement, but also making sure that then employee that, okay, fits with the values and personality to the brand is best representing it, is giving them a certain level of agency. And a lot of brands are not very good at that. That's the problem with scripts. It's the idea that I can't control anything, that I can't actually make it better for the customer, even though I want to. So why don't you give them options? You can still have a script if that is what you prefer, but give them options. But if you're a little bit more trusting to your customer service team, give them guidelines of what is allowed, what is not allowed, how much you can do or how much you can't do. But even such a simple thing, I'm like, Brett has been doing it forever. All of their employees have a selected budget every day that they can use to give a customer a gift or to solve a customer service issue. It's not really that difficult. We just make it difficult because, you know, big corporation that has to go through tens of people to make a decision. But once you kind of hire people right, and once you give them enough agency and show them that you appreciate and trust them, they will inadvertently fall in within the lines of your brand personality and your brand values. And that is also needs to be influenced by your internal communications, by even things like design of your office and other things like that. Because subconsciously, they will continuously being influenced the same way as customers are by subtle aspects of your design, by subtle changes in your tone of voice, and so on and so on. 
So all of those things are as important that internal branding as it is for the external aspect as well. That is goal right there. We do see that existing with clients. Everyone talks about great customer experience. Deliver great customer experience. Then your customers will stay. You'll have evangelists. So the challenge with customer experience is it's such a broad thing because I'm going to be very frank. Every stupid detail counts, literally. There is absolutely nothing that your brand does that isn't taken into account by the brain. Literally nothing whatsoever. Everything comes through uh, to the brain because our subconscious brain picks up 11 million bits of information per second and it processes it within that time. So you already picked up a stimuli, set of stimuli that you have, such as, for example, I don't know, the design of the website, which already has at least a few hundred thousands of different stimuli within there on the homepage. Then you already kind of understood what it means. You already felt some emotions based on it. And then you already took an action because you already made a decision. And that's within a second. And that's 11 million bits per second that your subconsciousness can manage. Whereas your consciousness can barely manage 40 bits of information per second to be processed. Therefore, the challenge for customer experience is to really control all of those 11 million bits per second that our brain is picking up. So when I'm, for example, hearing sometimes from brands, let's say we're working on a design of a new retail store together with the brand and their architects and designers, and they, for example, saying, no, we're not going to touch music right now and we're not going to touch smell up until we finish the design. But it doesn't work like that because our world is naturally multisensory. So all of the senses are piggybacking on each other and changing its meaning. Even things like placement and direction, for example, of music in a store can horribly influence your decision making or your overall satisfaction and experience in there. So that's why I'm saying every stupid detail counts. You might think it's actually stupid, but it's not because the brain is picking it up. So it is not as simple as yeah, we're just going to make a nice design and make sure we respond to people on social media. Okay, great. That's a lovely start. But it's not everything because one major thing you need to be careful of is how what you are doing through your design, through your communication, through your tone of voice, through everything, how does it represent truly who you are as a brand? So we did say brand is a human being, but who you are your personality, your values, everything else. Because there are different colors, different shades, different light and everything else that communicates different personality characteristics. And that is the true way of differentiating yourself from other brands. It's making sure that you stick truly to who you are as a brand and what you really stand for and make sure that everything that you do, every stupid detail actually represents it. Okay. I really like that. Every little detail matters, bringing it together for the whole picture, right? If we were to frame this for e-commerce and SaaS brands, one thing I'd like to dive into is, so today, let's say if I'm a business that has, wherever I am in my stage business, but the problem that maybe I'm facing today is that my relationship with customers is not as intimate as, as it should be to ensure that we're really tight. And so we've, we've talked about hiring the right people. We've talked about providing certain sets of frameworks with wiggle room, so to speak, to allow 
customer service team members to support their customers. We've talked about the UI. We've talked about the design of a website, like the whole experience with retail stores. So if we want to translate that into the online space now, where some of the things that businesses today should consider addressing to start tackling this problem? Exactly the same thing, because you might think that you can't, for example, do multisensory online experiences, but you can. Our brain experiences sensory sensations in exactly the same way when it's imagining those sensory sensations or when it's remembering them as when it's physically experiencing them. So you might, for example, think about the smell of your grandma's garden. I don't know, something, anything. And that activates your brain in a pretty much exactly the same way and intensity as when you physically experience that. That's how powerful our brain is. So the fans of Matrix will get what I mean. That's literally how the brain works. And it's not just me and it's not just Matrix. It's an actual science that showed it. Numerous scientific studies. It's inevitable. So when I keep hearing, no, you can't do multisensory online, I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, right. Of course you can. And we keep doing it with our clients. The best way is to use imagery and to use words to actually influence those sensory sensations. So for example, your product descriptions. Oh my goodness. Most of the product descriptions, you can like literally fall asleep. If you can't fall asleep, if you're insomniac, just read product descriptions online. They literally are that bad. There is no passion. There is no love. There's no need. There's no desire. There's no want. Do your customers actually buy because they need the functional value of those things? No. Majority of the things that we buy in our daily lives are things that we do not actually need. I mean, truly need for survival. We want them. We get pleasure from them. We want them to experience something or to express our identity. But seriously, how many dresses or how many shoes do you need in your wardrobe to actually walk in them every day? No one does, really. So we buy them for all those other reasons. And where are all those other reasons in your description? How will I feel when I'm wearing that or when I'm driving that car or when I'm baking that cake from the flour that you're selling or whatever else? What is the promise that you're selling me? Because you're not selling me a product or service. You're not. Because that's not what I need. I need to belong. I need to feel important. I need to feel appreciated. I need to experience something enriching. I need to be the best version of myself. I need to make an impact on the world and so on and so on and so on. Those are the actual human needs that the brands are really selling through a medium of a product or a service. Your brand, your products and services are just a medium. So you need to kind of make sure that I'm having that promise, but I'm also having some of those other senses so I can get lost in that description because one of the most powerful aspects of online experience is telepresence. So basically being transported into this external world that the brand created for me. And if I'm having a boring, falling asleep type of insomnia remedy type of product description, I'm sorry, but I'm not really going to get teletransported over there. So that's the problem. Another thing, balancing challenge with commitment as well. How much challenge do I need to actually extend to interact with that website? And is that challenge good or bad? 
So now we're getting into your favorite subject, which is meaningful and meaningless friction, right? Yes, yes. Yes, finally, right? Everyone loves that concept. And I'm so grateful that they all love it because we need that. Nothing that's meaningful in our life is without friction. Nothing. I mean, nothing. None of your favorite relationships, none of your favorite sports, none of the most amazing and memorable experiences that you have, nothing. But it's a positive, it's a meaningful, it's enriching, it's inspiring, empowering, or whatever other type of friction. It's not that friction that just makes you almost strangle the founder of the company because it's like, I can't find a product I'm, I want it. Or where is all your information on, on the delivery? Or where is something else that I really kind of just need for the functional reason? That's a meaningless friction. And we constantly being challenged with that friction as opposed to the meaningful one, which actually enhances engagement enhances uh, willingness to come back, interact with the brand, therefore also enhances loyalty, but it also forces us to commit our resources such as time, attention, and whatever else. And commitment is another cornerstone of building strong consumer brand relationships. I could go on, but there's like crazy amounts of other things that you can do. Start with those and you will be golden. Very cool. Very cool. I wanted to dive into that. So you shared examples of meaningless friction, right? So if we were to maybe pick one good example that you might have seen with your clients, what would be a good example of what a meaningful friction example could look like so that, you know, other people who have a good idea of that and they can maybe already act on it because maybe they don't have that for their brand yet. Yeah. So one of the basic stuff that has been extremely popular over the last few years is obviously personalization okay. or even co-creation. There's crazy amounts of friction in that process, but it's fun. It's exciting. It's me. I can make it me. Yep. It will be truly like I want it, right? Yep. Lots of friction. Great stuff. Another thing, what is the impact of the product? So for example, all the sustainable or social enterprises while trying to really up their game in terms of how much information are they sharing around the impact that they have. And that includes one of my clients, truly radically transparent, sustainable fashion brands launching later this year, 2021. And we're really trying to up the game in terms of how much information, but still in a very simplistic manner we share. Because the challenge with friction, as we understand it, is cognitive effort. So too thinking, too much energy that I spend on something. But if I'm expensing that energy because it is consistent with my values and because it's consistent with my passions and my interests and things like that, then I'm actually wanting to expense that energy. So things like sharing how much of an impact you're making and giving that proof and traceability for that, which means that a customer needs to spend a little bit longer on the product page, but it's for good reason. Lovely jobly. Or things like even chat. Chat can be made super difficult or can be made super easy. At least it's easy to find, which is great on most of the websites. Yep. <laughs> but things like the basic questions, like at the beginning, the almost robot-like questions that you're getting asked. Those are examples of the meaningless friction because you don't want to like keep responding to those stuff. If I already pressed a couple of buttons and said, this is what my issue is about and this is what I want to talk, then I want to just get to the conversation. And if I'm, let's say, describing it in a first text, what is actually happening, 
and then they go, okay, great, but first I need to do this, and first I need to check that, and what about this, and what about that? I can understand if they're like security checks, that's fine, it's like a bank or whatever else, but otherwise, just respond to my question immediately, straight away. Then start asking me, what's your order number and stuff like that. Yep, that is so true. So going back to the webinar that we did together, because I had mentioned a frictionless experience, but now I do understand on the flip side, like a lot of brands want to go for a frictionless experience. And obviously the ideal situation, a customer comes to your store, purchases the product and gets out and that's it, right? Like, you know, there's no, not necessarily any interaction with the customer service team, not, not necessarily too much interaction with the website, but obviously that's not true because it differs from product to product or from brand to brand. But, you know, if there is a book or a resource that you think people could check out to further dive into building intimate relationships with their customers, what book would that be? Okay, in terms of really great leadership and business book, one that is absolutely my favorite one, it's called Legacy by James Kerr, double R at the back. The book is about All Blacks, the New Zealand rugby team, which is basically considered the most successful sports team, not just rugby team, sports team, I think within the last 100 years, if I'm not mistaken. And it's about their strategy and the key pillars of their strategy. And the author, James Kerr, is extremely smart and he's taking those pillars, describing what All Blacks are doing, but also comparing it against the strategies of other military, sports and business leaders and really showcasing how impactful they are with a lot of case studies and research and other things like that. But it's truly inspirational, easy to read. I read it three times. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So that's Legacy by James Kerr. So... We talked about resources. Now, let's say if businesses need to turn to, obviously, style psychology, is there anything that you can offer right now that would help them as of today? One of those key aspects that sort of came out with a lot of our clients that we work with on strategies and on other things is the fact that they continuously want to just pick our brain. Just exactly like you are doing right now, but specifically for their brand, what they need to do with a new innovation or should they take this action with a brand or... I'm trying to come up with this campaign and I'm not sure if they're actually right and things like that. And this is where we designed our Brain Spark, which is basically a one hour intensive consultation. And it's really simple, really easy, whatever you kind of need to discuss, we'll do it, we'll analyze it against your brand strategy and advice how you do best to do it and which direction to go. And we made it super easy as well to book it on our website, which is fun. The same way as you can buy a pair of shoes, you can buy this. <laughs> so it's as easy as that. Another thing that actually came up out of a lot of our work with some of our favorite clients is basically every single time we worked with brands, we tend to either design a whole strategy or, for example, do things like behavioral reviews of designs for like website or things like that. But then brands, for example, messed something up on social media or didn't do entirely kind of justice in a campaign to a brand. And that's why we designed this much more sort of closer, intimate relationship type of service, just your chief behavioral officer, where you basically, literally, as it states, hiring your own behavioral team per a number of hours a month, which is great because normally you would have to pay crazy amounts of money to have five, 10 people in your behavioral team, which a lot of big brands obviously do. So it's basically a really simple, easy way to do it. And it's much more times for the startups, which we love working with as well. Fantastic. What are some of the best ways to get in touch with you? 
you can just drop me an email to kate at stylepsychology.co.uk or you can find me on LinkedIn. So Kate Nightingale, and there is a Polish name to it attached as well. So don't be surprised. Or you can just pop to our website and contact us through there or on any of our Instagram channels as well. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, this was so my pleasure, Dikyo. It was such a hilarious fun, honestly. Is your e-commerce growing so fast that you can't keep up with supporting your customers in real time? Serve them better in any time zone and language. They will thank you with higher conversion rates and repeat purchases. We build and manage your own dedicated customer experience team of live chat and support agents. Get started today. Visit ltvplus.com. That's ltvplus.com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.